0: Hello and welcome to Preparing Foster Youth for Adulting, the podcast designed to highlight strategies and resources that help youth in care transition to adulthood successfully. Our guests today are Amy Nims, Director of Foster Care, and Jen Switzgabel, the Associate Director of Transition Age Youth Services at the Buckeye Ranch, located in Whitehall, Ohio. Welcome, Amy and Jen, to our podcast series. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm good. Great. Hi, Lynn. Thanks for having us. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm excited to learn about your organization, find out more about you. To get things started, what I usually do is ask our guests to share a little bit about themselves, their own personal background, and how you got connected with the foster care system. So, Amy, why don't I toss it to you first? Sure. So my name is Amy Nims.
1: I am the director of foster care at the Buckeye Ranch. We are a private nonprofit in central Ohio. Our foster care department actually has offices scattered in Ohio, not just in central Ohio. And I came to foster care by trade. I'm trained as a counselor and I love, love, love working with teenagers and I love doing family therapy. And through the course of just evolution in my career, ended up
0: going into some administrative work, hoping to affect systems a little bit. All right, great. So it sounds like your whole career has been with teenagers, but how much of that career, like how many years have you been working with the foster care system? So I've been
1: almost 10 years in foster care now.
0: Oh, okay. okay.
1: Yeah, thanks. I don't want to cut you off. No, no, that's, yeah.
2: (laughs) All right, fantastic. Jen, how about you? Hi, I'm Jen switz Gable and I'm the Associate Director of Transition Age Youth Services at the Buckeye Ranch. And I have been at the Buckeye Ranch for like 17 years, which is crazy to me. Is that all? (laughs) It feels like (laughs) I'm not old enough to have been here this long. (laughs) And I would say at least 15 of those, I have been working with transition age youth. So youth who are about 14 and up to 21. Currently, I have my two main programs are My Place, which is an apartment building here in Columbus, where we house young adults who are aging out of the foster care system, and they have nowhere to spread their wings and become adults. And so they move in and have their own apartment in our building. We have staff there 24-7 who help teach all about becoming an adult. And then the other program, which I can go into a lot more in a little bit, is Bridges, which is a statewide program, but we have a team located at the Buckeye Ranch.
0: Okay, fantastic. So did you start your career there at uh, Buckeye?
2: I did not. I was with Children's Services first for a couple years doing child welfare casework. And then I actually moved to the Buckeye Ranch doing the same thing in our division here that's called PFSN, Permanent Family Solutions Network. And they basically do the same job as a Children's Services worker. We just contract with Franklin County Children's Services. And so I did that a couple of years, and then I started working with the older teens and kind of developed programming that didn't really exist prior at the Buckeye Ranch for specifically these older age groups.
0: Well, I appreciate you sharing a little bit about yourselves, and you've segued nicely into the programs that we're going to be talking about mostly today. So why don't I hand things back to Amy? I believe you're going to share a little bit of the history of your organization.
1: Sure. Yeah. So Buckeye Ranch has a rich history in central Ohio. We actually were founded by a women's board. They had formerly been a women's board for the Columbus Boys Choir in 1938. And in 1950, the Boys Choir actually moved to a new city. And so a new state in New Jersey. So our women's board decided to kind of revamp and decided to become the Women's Juvenile Service Board focusing on issues that surrounded the needs of juveniles in Franklin County. And Franklin County is the largest county in Ohio, which is central Ohio. It's deceiving, I think, sometimes because people think Cleveland and Cincinnati are larger, but Columbus is actually quite a bit larger than both of them. Yeah, so we started kind of in 1950 having these conversations. I think they officially said that we're incorporated and became an incorporated group in 1956 and then we consider the start of the Buckeye Ranch and it was actually at the time called the Buckeye Boys Ranch in 1961 that was actually going to be a home outside of organic homes for boys who were troubled and it was basically on the recommendation of a magistrate and they actually even pulled the neighborhoods and pulled the city to see what was needed And so they decided we're going to try to get some funding for this and it took them some time, but they were finally able to put together the Buckeye Boys Ranch in 61. So from there, a lot developed. So it was a residential facility where boys lived in kind of a family model. Mom and pop would live in the house and, you know, it was that model. And then as our mental health system evolved and our understanding of care evolved, we grew into different models, of course. Throughout the years, we've done a lot of fundraising and a lot of growing. (laughs) So the Buckeye Ranch, we were known for a long time for having the tennis championship that would raise money. We did 14 years of a Buckeye tennis championship where Arthur Ashe and Jimmy Connors came and played. So we were able from there to build multiple programs, our facility in Central Ohio, the residential facility, grew many buildings. But then we also, in 1991, so 30 years in, we expanded to serve girls as well. And we opened up an intensive care center that was even more intensive for children that were having either emotional or discipline issues. Yeah, and then from there, we've kind of just blossomed. So we started some day treatment programs, which is a combination of mental health treatment along with schooling. We acquired foster care in 1997 and took over a company actually out in Licking County. And we have worked with growing our our name through child welfare, kind of like what Jen had referred to we actually have a portion of Franklin County's child welfare tasks because Franklin County is so big, they needed to contract it out. So we have some child welfare, we have community mental health services, we do medical med management, like psychotropic medications. We have our independent living programs and our transitional age youth programs. And so we've expanded quite nicely. I actually
0: just celebrated our 60 years last year. Wow. Congratulations. That is an impressive lifespan, I should say, of an organization. That's You've been around quite a long time.
1: We have a lot of gratitude, I think, for our community because I think that the Columbus and greater Ohio area really embraces what we do and really support us in what we do. And so even, you know, through a pandemic, <laughs> we saw a lot of agencies close. And so I wouldn't say we're completely out of the woods just like anyone else, but we're doing okay
0: Wonderful. Well, I have a couple of follow-up questions about your background. I'm very interested, since Ohio is so close to Pennsylvania, do you have any idea if they modeled the residential program after Milton Hershey School at all? No, I do not. I do know that they modeled... So like I said, it was kind of the mom and
1: pop. And that's exactly what MHS does. Is it? Okay. So I'm not familiar with the Hershey model, but yeah, they initially started that way where it was just characterized by, you know, nurturing parental roles and developing natural skills and a lot of contact. So they had quite a few adults per child or the staff to child ratio was low. So it was just a lot of attention, I think, and kind of teaching. And
0: then it evolved later. Okay. And how large is your organization now? Like, I guess we could go by uh, how many staff do you have? Sure. So we're hovering right
1: around 510 staff. Wow. Yeah, and that doesn't include I mean we have about 400 foster parents and we serve lots and lots and lots of kids and families.
0: <laughs> so you're saying the 400 is on top of the 510 staff. Yes, they are not considered our employees, right? Sure, sure. Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. And you said you have locations throughout Ohio. Yes, the foster care department specifically has an office out
1: east where we originally acquired it actually used to be called Square One, their foster care program. So we have one in Newark, Ohio, an office. And then we also expanded to Cincinnati. And so northern Cincinnati area, kind of Springdale area, we have another office. Okay. Our foster parents are located all over Ohio though.
0: Well, I bet that the pandemic although horrible, so many organizations have told me that the turning to online communications has actually been a benefit. And I wonder if you found that to be the case as well, since you're so spread out.
1: Yes. So there were truly some saving graces there for sure. (laughs) The state of Ohio changed some of our requirements so that we could minimize exposure to the virus, of course. And we utilize technology differently. So we do more meetings on Teams or Zoom. We do have a little bit less travel, but there are also some downsides to that as well. Good and bad to everything, of course, just you don't have as much interaction with one another as just organic goofing off in the office interactions. But then you save a lot of time as well. You know, you save a lot of time
0: traveling and you know, you're able to be more productive in that way. So there have been definite advantages, I think, coming out of that. For sure. Well, I think we can hand things over to Jen, but only if you're finished. I don't want to cut you off. Oh, yeah. Yep, I'm good. (laughs) Okay, wonderful. Well, Jen, I know that you have your program that you run. If you could please explain what you do and how you serve young people.
2: Sure, thanks. So my programs tend to serve youth who are 14 to 21. I discussed earlier our child welfare department, PFSN. I have a couple of workers in that department who serve those youth who are involved in the child welfare system, and they kind of start working with them around 14 just to assess skills and teach them things as they age that one would naturally learn in a home setting. And so since that's at the time disrupted, we want to make sure they're still learning those skills to become successful adults. And so we start working with them on whatever it is they want their goals to be. And then, of course, as they age and get a little bit older, those goals change and morph into what adulthood is going to look like for them. If they want to graduate high school and go into a trade school or go into college or just work and move into an apartment on their own, we're helping them hit those needed milestones to prepare for those things and taking them to colleges to tour, just like any parent would do. And we're kind of walking that line with them and holding their hand and whatever they need done. And so that's kind of the child welfare, independent living workers that I have. And then I have two programs on top of that. And one, I talked about both of these in my introduction. The one is called My Place, and it is an apartment building that has 15 apartments. And each young adult that moves in with us gets their own apartment and they live there on their own. However, we have staff there 24 seven to assist them in anything and everything they would need help with. I mean, sometimes it's as easy as I have not changed a light bulb before. Or my toilet is clogged. Like it can be very <laughs> mundane, like yep. learning how to live on your own things. And then it can be as complex as applying for college and filling out your FAFSA and all of those kind of things, getting a job. And we have contacts in the community where they're willing to work with us and understand our population and the trauma that they've experienced and are able to work with us on helping them get first jobs and get first apartments. Sometimes that can be hard. Obviously, if you don't have any rental history or any credit history, it's hard to get your first apartment, right? Yeah. And so we're thankful that we have partners in the community, you know, landlords who are willing to take a chance on our young adults, knowing that we're there behind them and ready to help if things, you know, we're a safety net for them. We wanna be there if things go wrong, just like biological parents would be there. A young adult tends to stay at my place typically a six to nine month stay, but we definitely do have young adults who stay with us longer. It's just kind of dependent on when they are ready to move out into the community or into college, that natural transition from us into the next step in their life. Young adults come to us referred from the county who held custody of them when they aged out or when they're getting ready to age out. So typically we have young adults who are about 17 to 21. 21, they don't normally stay with us that long, but sometimes a young adult will maybe have been in the community for a year or two after they aged out and then find themselves in need of more support. And so if they go back to the county they aged out from, the county may reach out to us and say, we would like you guys to house this young adult for a little while and help them get back on their feet. We also assist with any kind of mental health needs, helping them link with necessary mental health services or health services It's really all encompassing. It's anything that that young adult might need assistance with, we're gonna help them with. That's typically how our My Place program runs and works. And then the Bridges program is my other program, and that is a statewide program in Ohio. It is administered by the Ohio Department of Jobs and Family Services through a contract with the Child and Family Health Collaborative of Ohio. And then they subcontracted with agencies throughout Ohio to run the Bridges program. So we are just one of several in central Ohio that have a Bridges program. Young adults can qualify for Bridges by having aged out of the foster care system. So they have to have been 18, you know, and still been in custody on their 18th birthday. So that's the number one requirement they need to meet at least one of the following criteria. They have to be completing secondary education or a program leading to like an equivalent credential. They have to be enrolled in college or other post-secondary school or participating in a program or activity designed to promote or remove barriers to employment or employed. And it has to be at least 80 hours a month. And then there also is a last catch-all. If they're incapable of doing the above for any physical or mental health reason and can get like a doctor to sign off on that, then they can also still be in the program. This is a relatively new program in Ohio within the last six years. This has really helped, I think, a lot of young adults who have aged out of the foster care system to have extra support they get a case manager who can do kind of all of the same things I talked about with our in-house program, helping them with job stuff, college stuff. But then there's also a money piece tied to it, which is really nice. Bridges is able to pay for pretty much anything that's a necessity. There's a cap on the money, but I would say it's fairly generous. As long as they remain eligible, they can be in the program from 18 until their 21st birthday. And receive this maintenance that helps to pay for their rent, their food, their clothing, a phone, books for college, a wide range of things that would be considered necessities in their life. I think a lot of times prior to that, because this is fairly new in my career, we had all these things we wanted to do with these young adults, and it was very limited because of funding, what we could just give them. And so I do love this program for that. I love that the state of Ohio has significant money behind this and is putting this back into our foster youth who have aged out and need this support like any other kid who is trying to leave their parents' house for the first time and go to college. I mean, how often do kids come back and move back in with their parents or like their parents still assist them in paying for mostly everything when they're in college or just in their first apartment? I find this very refreshing that we can do this for our young adults who have aged out.
0: Is this a situation where you kind of have to wait every year to see if the funding will still be there, or is it a fairly solid program? At this point, it's it's fairly solid,
2: yes. That's always frustrating when you just don't know. (laughs) Yes. So it's nice that you have some confidence. Yes. At this point, this is a permanent program that we don't see going away anytime soon. I remember when we were first trying to develop the program, I was actually involved in the development of it statewide. And we went down to the state house and lobbied for the funds for this and said, these are the kids we work with and this is what we need for them and they need to be successful. And I mean, the idea behind it was that we could show stats from other states who have already developed programs like this. They're called different things in different states, but there are several states who had this type of program prior to the Bridges program in Ohio. And we piggybacked off of their success and the reductions that they're seeing in things like incarceration and teen pregnancy and raises in graduation rates and young adults going to college. We were really able to make an impact on how this could be a great thing for Ohio foster youth aging out.
0: Are there any opportunities for additional support after they turn 21?
2: For Bridges, it is a hard cutoff at 21. My Place is a Buckeye Ranch program, so we can do what we want. <laughs> you know what I mean? The other <laughs> is very, it's you know—it's run by a Department of Jobs and Family Services, and there are very strict guidelines and rules and things we have to abide by. But with the My Place program, we do have follow-up where... We make a commitment. It's like a promise when our youth are leaving that they can come back to us at any point in time for a safe place to sleep, to do laundry, to cook a meal, to ask for advice, and etc. So we very often do have young adults who come back and just to hang out in the office and talk to our staff and ask for advice or help me fill out this paperwork that I don't quite understand. And so that's really nice. And we also have a s'mores night every year where we have a bonfire and we do s'mores and stuff, but we ask youth who have exited the program to come back and discuss where they're at today and the successes that they're having and maybe some of the challenges they had when they left and also some of the challenges that they had while they were with us. To be honest, it's a great opportunity for them, but they're teenagers, right? Yeah you know, living with your parents, you have things that you're like, get out of my business. I don't want to go to this job interview or whatever today. And so they kind of talk about the things that they wish they would have done differently when they were at my place and that they wish they would have listened a little more to the staff or taken more advantage of this time where everything was paid for for them. That's nice when we have that as well.
0: I like the ideas of a s'mores night just because of s'mores, too. I know,
2: right? <laughs> yeah. I'm there. We just had our graduation <laughs> party, too, which is another big event we have every year. And every year we have more and more youth who graduate, which is a huge success in our program. It takes a ton of effort on the staff's behalf of being that parent. Come on, like, get up, go to school today. Or if they're doing the online school thing, you know, you've got 10 pages left in this packet sit in here with me and we'll do it, you know, is a labor of love for them. And I have amazing, amazing staff there. And I give them all the props in the world because it's like they're living with 15 teenagers and they get them through. They get them through to graduation (laughs) and it is a huge celebration. And this year we had 15 kids graduate and it was awesome. Uh,
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Do you track them at all after they graduate? Do you do any kind of surveying to see how well they're doing, like six months, one year, three years later?
2: No, not really. We don't do anything like that. But to be honest, we really keep tabs on a lot of them because they just do. They come back and they call us and they tell us how they're doing and stuff. So we don't do any official tracking, but we definitely know how a lot of them are doing, especially the ones that left happy (laughs) with us. (laughs) You know? Right, right. Yeah. So it's a really great program. I'm so proud of it. Well, how long has it been in existence? We have had the My Place program for like 10 years now. We actually took that over from another agency who was folding. When we bought that building, it had kids in it and staff. And it was like we hit the ground running and we had never done this before. It was a little bit of a mess.
0: (laughs) what we walked
2: into. Yeah. And I'm so proud of where it is today and so proud of my staff. They are really great people. They sound like it.
0: I'm guessing that these staff serve as the mentors, if you will, that you don't have a separate mentor program. No, we don't.
2: However... There are mentor programs in Columbus that we definitely have and do refer young adults to if they would like that, as well as many other community resources. So we don't do everything internally because we're not experts at everything, right? And so we definitely refer our youth out and have partnerships in the community with a variety of different organizations that may have whatever that specific young adult needs or is looking for.
0: Okay. Well, I have additional questions. They are really built around my place because that's your program, right? Versus bridges. So the question that I had about your housing, you said you have apartments. Are they all in the same building or are they tiny homes? What are the structures like?
2: It's one apartment building. And so all 15 apartments are in that building and it's three floors. And then we have a community room where we tend to have events and movie nights and cooking classes and life skills classes. And the kids can just go in there and hang out if they want to. And then we have an office where staff are. And then we have a downstairs where there's a laundry room and like a fitness center with some exercise equipment. And then we have out back a basketball court and like some grassy area with picnic tables and things like that. And it's a gated building. You have to be buzzed in. We don't have any identifying anything on the building saying we're the Buckeye Ranch because we do have young adults at times that are still in custody of like a county agency if they're under 18. We actually, and this is kind of one of our specialties that we're known for, is we have a lot of young ladies that live in the building that have their children living there with them. So we have young ladies who are 17 to 21 who have children of their own. And we've had a lot of little kids at times in the building. It just kind Mm -hmm. of ebbs and flows. It depends on the referrals we get in. But we have definitely had a lot of babies and toddlers in the building on and off throughout the life of my place. So like I had said earlier, we kind of just fell into this building that was already a program. Like the, it was already this program and then the other agency was kind of going under. And so they were looking to sell and hoping that someone would buy it and the program as well. You know what I mean? Because there were kids in the building living there and then they had staff there as well. And so it kind of just fell into our lap. I wouldn't say it's the best area of Columbus, however. I do feel like the community around us knows what we do there and is really respectful of that. And we have not had violence to our young adults or our staff knock on wood from like the community. I do feel like completely safe there. And I feel like our young adults are safe. It's really close to a bus pickup. And so typically most of our young adults will take the bus wherever they need to go. We do provide them a bus pass monthly. That's part of the stipend that they get. We'll get on the bus with them and teach them how to ride it. You know, if they don't know how to ride it or like which stops they need to get on, like our staff will get on and ride with them for the first time. Or sometimes we have young adults who have been here for a while or who are super comfortable with the bus system and they'll help teach them. So it's kind of close to Bexley, which is actually a really, really nice neighborhood. A lot of our young adults actually work in Bexley because that's really close. So it sounds like it might this is going to be a guess
0: that at least working with a community it would be easier to acquire a program that already exists as opposed to trying to start a new one because at least I've heard communities can fight against that.
2: I think maybe it depends on the location. I think maybe One, it already existed, but we don't really get any pushback from the community because, again, it isn't a suburb is what I'm saying. And so I think it probably could be more difficult if you were trying to maybe start something like this in a suburb. I know that at times there are issues with our residential program being in sort of a suburban area but that city has worked really well with us around any issues that come up in their police department and you know all of that. And so I do know the residential department feels really supported by Grove City, which is where they are.
0: That's terrific. And I just wanted to clarify one other thing. Your My Place program, you accept young people who have aged out of foster care as opposed to those who have had foster care experience, correct?
2: They don't have to have aged out yet. So we do have like some 17-year-olds, which would mean they're not aged out yet, but then they're going to age out. They don't have to have aged out. If a county would like to place them with us while they're in their custody, they can put a referral in. We just think 17 or almost 17 is probably the youngest that a young adult is really going to benefit from the style of our program. It's very loose compared to what traditional placements look like when you're in foster care or residential, like how they come and go from the building on their own and ride the bus places and all of those kind of things. That's not typical, I would say, of a placement if you're in foster care or residential and their curfews are a little later and, you know, we're trying to teach them adult things. And so we have to like, let go a little bit, you know, you can't keep them right beside you all the time. There are younger kids who just aren't really ready for that. And then counties who are just really nervous about it, even if the young adult is like 17. And so up until I would say the last year and a half, typically most of our referrals have come from Franklin County Children's But we have had tons of new counties recently. I don't know if like word of mouth is all of a sudden getting around more about us. Or I know that there's kind of a crisis around placing teenagers in foster care. There just aren't enough homes usually. And so I don't know if we're also seeing a bump because of that. But either way, I'm really excited about it. And I love getting referrals from all these different counties. But we do really make sure to talk to the county about the reality of what we can do for them if their plan isn't to stay here in Franklin County, because this is where our resources are. So we can help them get into an apartment and a job and all of those kind of things here in our county and especially in Columbus. So if they plan on going back to like where they're from, then that limits us a bit on what we can accomplish with them while they're with us. We can certainly do the cooking classes and the daily living skills and teaching them skills of calling and setting up doctor's appointments for themselves and all of those kind of things. And then just the practical, like I said, the plunging of the toilet and stuff like that then setting them up for their next phase in life is not typically going to happen because we're not in that county where they're going to return to. Right. Do you have any plans to expand to other counties? Not at this time. I would love to buy more buildings and expand and get funding. To be honest, to accept young adults who aren't in the foster care system because there are so many homeless youth in Franklin County alone And I have beds open sometimes, and it kind of makes me sick to my stomach that I know like someone might be sleeping on a bench, but I have a bed open here. But there's just no funding to pay for that. The young adults who come to us are paid for by their county who has custody of them or who just ended custody of them. We're constantly looking for what money could we get that we could turn around and then pay for homeless youth to stay with us. We did get some special funding during the height of COVID to house two homeless youth who were considered like they had medical issues that if they got COVID, they would be extremely sick in the hospital, maybe on event, and it would be very bad. They wanted to stabilize them and not have them be homeless and exposed, you know, all these places they might be going. We get special funding, had two homeless young ladies move in with us. And the nurses at the children's hospital here were like, oh my gosh, we love this. Like, can we send more kids to you because you're making them show up for their doctor's appointments and you're making sure they're eating healthy and they have somewhere to sleep and lay their head every night that's safe and warm. And you have staff there in case the one lady had severe diabetes, in case she goes into a situation where she needs help and all of that kind of stuff. So I would love to find funding and open a whole nother building that's just for that.
1: Foster care would love that too, Jen. I know. <laughs> I mean, the reality is that we can't find homes for teens. We have a lot of people who want to be foster parents, but teenagers tend to scare people away.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of those young people end up in group homes, right? Mainly group homes where they
1: get put in group homes out of state or foster homes out of state. I think it's a very complex issue. Our kids who are in foster care truly have had trauma and are emotionally behind maybe their peers. And so 18 might be the magic number, which I argue that it's not, but it might be the magic number for a child in a home where they didn't experience trauma. But for our kids, especially, 18 is not the magic number. And so, Jen explaining how my place is helping them understand laundry, helping them understand cooking, and going to doctor's appointments and calling in their prescription a couple days ahead of time so they don't have to go without. Yes, that can be taught to them in a foster home, but we're the take at least several years off of their biological age to understand their developmental age. So you're trying to teach a 17-year-old these things when really maybe mental capacity is closer to 13.
0: I know research that I've seen has shown that young people coming out of foster care and aging out of foster care, they really don't catch up, if it's even that. It's probably not even completely caught up with their non-fostered peers until age 26. At about 26, you start seeing maybe more of them employed, more of them finishing their education and so forth. But that's how long it takes I 100% see
2: that.
0: Mm-hmm. 100%. So, what can we do? I, I, <laughs> maybe not necessarily to solve this exact problem, but what can the foster care system do to improve the outcomes for these young people, knowing that they've gone through traumas? Sure. Sometimes I'm flummoxed. Like, what can we do?
1: Well, in my experience,
0: We have a lot of success
1: when we stop parenting older teens and we start collaborating with older teens. Maybe it's the generation, maybe it's the age, maybe it's puberty, maybe it's just all of us as human beings want to have some sense of control in our lives. And so when the treatment team who's working with the teenager is able to say, okay, what is it that you want? And then start to go down that path, even if that path sounds like it's unattainable, or even if that path doesn't sound like it's the healthiest, you at least have the conversation and you start talking it out with them. And you say, okay, so your plan is not to work and to go back to this home that you had a lot of problems in. Let's talk that out. Where do you think you'll sleep? What do you think will happen if you have problems in the future? what will happen if that person decides to stop paying rent for you and you just kind of talk it out and then say so you're really good at these things and emphasizing their strengths and saying how can we make decisions about your future based on things you like and based on things you're good at really just incorporating them in the conversation so there's buy in i think all of us want that right
2: yeah and it really is young adult led because we can't want something for them that they don't want we might want something more for them But if that's not where they are, then we start where they are and what they want for their plan to be. And it's funny because a lot of times we get, I want to be a rapper, right? And so to us as an adult, we're like, oh no, that's (laughs) not going to work. But like, that's not what we do. You know what I mean? We say, okay, well, you can't go do that like right today. Let's back up and give me some steps. What would you have to do to like get your name out as a rapper? well, I'd probably have to record a demo. Okay. Yeah, you would. So how would you do that? Well, I guess I'd probably have to find somebody that has a studio that I could do that. And I'm like, okay. And so would you have to pay that person? Yeah, I'd probably have to pay them. Okay. Do you have any money saved right now that you could do that? And they're like, oh no, I don't. Okay. Do you have a job right now yet? No, I don't have a job yet okay, so step one sounds like it's that we need to sit down and get a job. You kind of back it up for them. And so you don't want to just blow their dreams out of the water. You want to be realistic, though, with them and say, like, to get there, there's really a lot of stuff that has to come before then. And so come back here with me where we were, you know, a half hour ago when I said, let's sit down and fill out <laughs> job applications. You know what I mean? Right. So- oh, Yeah it really is involving them. It's talking it out. Like Amy said, it's really including them. It's their plan. We don't make any decisions that they don't make. They make the decision.
0: I think it's a balance because so often young people, older teens in foster care, it's so structured yeah, that they don't have a chance to make choices it's for very themselves structured. about anything. Right? It
2: is. And so that's why Our program is so much different than that, that it is very scary sometimes for counties who have custody. And we're saying we're letting them do these certain things. But I will be honest, our outcomes are very good. And typically, we have a lot of times had young adults who have done really not well, like in residential, over and over and over again. And they come to us and they do fine because we're not forcing anything on them or down their throat. They have their own apartment. If they are mad at us, they can leave and go to their apartment. They can leave the building and go take a walk. They can go get on the bus and go somewhere. It's much more freedom. And sometimes that's what they need to just take a breath and make decisions on their own. And a lot of times it is not the right decision. I'm not saying it always is but then we're there for them to pick (laughs) up the pieces afterwards. Right. And say like, well, this wasn't the best decision. So where do we go from here?
0: Right. Well, that's part of learning how to be an adult.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: How to learn from and move on from mistakes.
2: Absolutely.
1: You asked how foster care might be able to change it. To Jen's point, I do think some of the custodial agencies are starting to understand that we need to give less credence to liability and more independence to these kids so they can learn things while they're still in foster care. I think another move that really does need to happen, though, has to do with how we conceptualize foster care. I think that we say these are foster parents and come join and live in this home and be a part of this family which is great for a lot of kids, but it doesn't work for all the kids. If we could actually change the concept, especially for teenagers, to say, hey, are you a young adult that wants to give back to your community and is not so afraid of teenagers because maybe you just graduated college, maybe you're just starting out? Would you house a teenager for a couple of years? What do you think about helping this teen out to learn the ropes and understand how to live independently If we could maybe see it more as a mentoring relationship than a parental relationship. And I understand, of course, there's liability with that and all sorts of what ifs, and we're all a little afraid of that. But I really do believe that if we start to conceptualize taking care of our community differently than taking over parenting for someone, and instead we're actually going to be supporting a family in the community during their crisis by helping them just house their kid for a while and you're going to be a mentor, and you're going to not try to parent as much as you're going to do philanthropic work in your community.
0: I like that concept. It's a model change. It is. It is. It's tough to, to get systems to change.
1: It truly is, and there is a need for some of our kids in foster care, of course, get adopted. I mean, there truly is a need for family still and the family setting, but it's not working great for our teenagers when we can actually place them.
0: Yeah. Maybe give them a choice at a certain age. You know, it may be a combination of assessment and finding out what their preference would be. Absolutely. But they don't want a mom and dad
2: at a certain age. Right. And then with the Bridges programs, so some young adults are, they're living in college, they're living in their own apartments, but some choose to live with maybe their former foster parents or an aunt or uncle or a friend's parents or whatever, and we rent a room in that house for them. So like it's renting a room, but then you have people around you. So you're not all the way by yourself all the time, if you're not really ready for that. So that's kind of like would be the next step of what Amy's talking about. It's kind of taking this idea of like what we do at 18 and over and maybe even pushing it into the foster care system down to 16, 17. It's a very
0: interesting idea. Well, I would love to keep talking. I love these conversations, especially thinking about solutions to Mm -hmm. the challenge that these young people face, but I know that we need to wrap things up today. I want to thank you, Amy and Jen, for joining us today on this podcast and sharing about your programs and about yourselves. And I'm very interested in hearing more about your program as the years go on and also interested in seeing if maybe you'd be interested in applying for one of our AOI awards this year. Just throwing it out
2: there. (laughs) Can I throw out a couple of things, just some information in case any young adults are listening? Absolutely. And we also want to know your website in case anybody wants to donate. Oh, yeah. great. Well, okay. I'm going to give you the first website I want to give you is the Bridges website. So young adults, if you aged out of the foster care system and you're working or in college, the website that you can go to that will give you all of the information you need, plus you can apply on there is bridges2tosuccess.jfs.ohio.gov. That will tell you all about the program, all about the eligibility. It also lists some additional ideas if you are not eligible for bridges at the time. I think a lot of young adults and even sometimes people in our field don't realize that in Ohio, by law, if you aged out of custody with whatever county, technically they're responsible for you until you're 21. So if you go back to them at any point in time and say, I need help, they have to open what's called a post-emancipated youth case on you and serve you. That can look a lot of different ways depending on what county you're from, but you are eligible to that. And so hopefully there should be money tied to that as well. If you need assistance with bills or rent or things like that, it's not going to be as generous as Bridges, but it is somewhere that you can go get services They'll assign you a caseworker who could help you with anything from mental health to help finding an apartment and things like that, and hopefully maybe even help you get eligible again for Bridges, and then you can apply to Bridges where you'll get a little more money. Those are just two things I wanted to throw out there.
0: Wonderful. And if somebody wants to donate to your organization?
1: You're going to go to www.buckeyeranch.org.
0: It's as easy as that. There's a donate button on there? There sure is. Wonderful. Is there a way to contact you if they want to speak with you or benchmark? Absolutely.
1: You can apply to be a foster parent directly on our page. You can also contact us and get in touch with us for volunteer opportunities to help us in any capacity. We will gladly take any help. Right.
0: <laughs> right. And they'll see all of your other programs as well. Yeah. So we've only focused really on the transitional living ones, but you offer a lot more. Yes, we do. We do. Well, thank you so much again. I really appreciate your time today and I'll look forward to keeping track of you over time. <laughs> thank okay, you great. so much, Lynn. Thank you, Lynn. Well, you're very welcome. Well, for those of you who have listened to this podcast to the end, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. We put out a podcast every couple of weeks or so. So you can find those on our website, agingoutinstitute.org and look for the podcast link But we also get our podcast pushed to pretty much all of the platforms, the other distributors of podcasts, and you can find us there as well. So thank you so much for listening. Until next time.